Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. This series is leading us in to this important day on Easter, and we're learning to love like Jesus. In fact, this is the whole reason that the church exists, to love people who need the love of Jesus in their life. And we've been studying this passage or this this a couple of verses in John chapter 13. And we're going to look at it together. John 13, 34, it's on the screen there for you. And why don't we do this? Let's read it aloud together. All right. On the count of three. One, two, three. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Anybody notice a theme going on there, right? Love one another. Love one another was so important to Jesus. He says, this is what I have called you to do, to take my love and share it with people in the world who need to experience the love of Jesus. And then he tells us how to do it. He says, this is how I want you to love one another as I have loved you. In fact, that's the basis for this whole series that Jesus has loved us and now he has called us to love others in the same way that he has loved us. And we've been studying through the life of Jesus and we've been looking at how did Jesus love people? How did he interact with people and how did he express and show his love to the disciples and to the other people that he came into contact with? And we've narrowed it down for the purposes of this series to really four key things that if we're going to love like Jesus, then we've got to be doing these things in our lives. We talked the first week about how his love was patient. So everybody say patient. He was patient. He was patient with people that even when they messed up, man, he was patient with them. He gave them some room to make mistakes. And that's how he loved them. Last week, we talked about how he loved us with his words, that he spoke the kind of words that were encouraging, sometimes even convince, uh, convicting and correcting in the lives of the people that he loves. And he'll do that in our life as well. Next week, we're going to wrap it up by talking about, I think the most powerful of all of these is that, is that his love was forgiven giving that even as he hung on the cross and we're going to talk about that on Palm Sunday how he hung on the cross but the words that he spoke were father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing and we're going to we're going to talk about that next week but today we're going to talk about this third one and that is this that Jesus loved us so much that he served us Jesus loved us so much that he set himself aside. He set aside his own personal agendas, his own personal needs, his own personal wants. And he loved people by serving them. And there's no other place in the Bible that we see this more clearly. This example that he sets more than in this passage that we're going to look at today. It's also found in John chapter 13 and verse 1. And let me just kind of set it up. Jesus is with his disciples. These are the guys that, I mean, he has spent his life with. Three and a half years of his ministry, walking and talking with them on a daily basis. Like these were his, these were his friends. These were the people that he loved. And he knew that he was just about ready to be taken. I mean, within hours he was going to be taken to trial falsely accused, sentenced to death. He knew he had this one last opportunity with his disciples, the people that he loved 
to show them how much he loved them. I mean, think about this. Imagine that you knew this is the last time I'm going to see these people that I love. This is the situation Jesus was in. And so he wants to show them one last time how much he loves them. And we see what happens in John 13 and verse 1. I'm going to read from the message today. It says, just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his dear companions, he continued to love them right to the end. And it was supper time. And the devil by now had Judah, son of Simon, firmly in his grip, all set for the betrayal. And Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything. That he came from God and was on, the, on his way back to God. So he got up from the supper table, set, down, set aside his robe and put on an apron. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with this apron. Jesus, in this moment, knowing what was about to come, knowing that even these disciples that he loved so much were, were, were going to betray him and deny him and even run in, in fear when he was taken to the cross, he loved them so much that he wanted to physically show them his love. And what did he do? He set himself aside and he washed the disciples' feet. He served them. Guys, here's the deal. If we're going to love like Jesus, what we're going to have to learn is how to be a servant. The problem is, is that we live in a world that kind of goes against this. In fact, in our culture, more than ever before, like we have really become a me-centric kind of society. I mean, think about it. Think about how much focus we put on, we put on ourselves. And, and, and here's the deal is that so many times we think about ourselves rather than thinking about others. I mean, we see it in the way that we have relationships with one another. We see it in our marriage. We see it, we see it in, in our jobs that, hey, you know, we go to work and they actually pay us to do this. And yet we think that the job's supposed to serve us. Come on. We focus so much on, we focus so much on ourselves. It even seeps sometimes into the church. Come on. You know how it is. In fact, church service has really become more church serve us. Like, I want to go to church, and when I get there, man, they better have everything ready for me. In fact, they better have somebody on a golf cart to pick me up and drive me to the front door. And when I get there, boy, when I come inside, they better have somebody out there holding a sign about how great I look today. And when I come in, I better feel really good because I'm going to go in and they're going to have my coffee just the way I like it ready for me with some free refreshments. Come on. And when I come in, Ben, the temperature in the room ought to be just right, not too hot and not too cold. And the worship team should fire up and sing my three favorite songs and not too loud and not too soft. Come on, right? I want to come in. I want to drop my kids off in the perfect nursery so that they can take care of them and they better not put my number up on that screen come on they better change their diaper and make sure that everything's ready that they're fed and they're ready for their nap whenever I'm done with the service and when the pastor gets up there to talk boy he better be entertaining today he better have a sermon that's better than the one last week or I'm gonna go somewhere else come on isn't this how we do sometimes right and so many times, man, we have this attitude of, man, I, I, I want others to serve me. 
It's the culture that we live in. In fact, I started thinking about this just a little bit. What is it that makes us this way? Like, like what is it that hinders us from thinking of others first and focusing so much on ourselves? And I, I thought about three things that, that are really prevalent in our society today that are hindrances to serving people, to serving in love. The first one is this, if you're taking notes, is that one of the things that hinders us from serving is more stuff. Isn't it true? Like, okay, all right, let's just be honest. We have more stuff in our generation than any other generation that's ever gone before us. We do, like, we got everything that we want. I mean, all the gadgets and all the stuff. Like, I mean, financially, we're better off than any other generation that's ever gone before us. I know you're going, well, Pastor, I don't feel very financially good, well off. You know what I'm saying? But here's the deal. When you, when you look at the rest of the world compared to the way we are in America, I mean, come on, we're rich. And not just that, like when you look at the generations that have gone before us, even in America, you think about the things that your parents had. Come on. We want to have the things that they had after 40 years of marriage. We want to have it right after we get out of high school. And you look at what your grandparents had and then you compare that with what we have. Like, come on, we got more stuff than than any other generation that has ever walked the face of this planet. And I'm not saying there's anything bad about that. Praise the Lord that we're blessed and we have like great financial blessings and we're able to have all this stuff. But here's what's interesting about it. The richer you become, the easier it is to become self-centered rather than others centered. It shouldn't be this way. In fact, you would think it wouldn't be this way. You would think, well, I got more stuff than I've ever, than I could ever do anything with. I got all that I need. So now let's turn the focus to others. But that's not the way it usually works. Usually the more stuff I get, guess what? The more stuff I want. And usually like when I get a little bit more, like say you get a raise or a bonus, what's the first thing goes through your mind? Well, hey man, I can go on a trip now. I can buy the motorcycle now. Come on, right? We can fix up the house now and get those granite countertops because you know you ain't got a nice house unless it's got granite countertops. Come on, right? And nothing wrong with that stuff. Like, I like going on trips. I don't have granite countertops. One of these days I'm going to. Come on. I like that. I'll do that and whatever. But we do have to admit that that's kind of a self-centered kind of a focus. We get a raise, we get a bonus, and we don't think, hey, cool, I can, I can bless someone else. We think, how can I spend it on me? And one of the greatest hindrances in our culture to servanthood is that we have more stuff than we've ever had before. And this wasn't really a, a new thing. In fact, in the book of Timothy, Paul is talking to Timothy, who's pastoring these people. And, and apparently in their culture, they had kind of the same problem. In his church, he had a lot of people who were a lot like us, kind of, kind of well off and kind of, kind of blessed like we are here in America. And so Paul says, this is what you need to teach those people in your church. In 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17, he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Now, first of all, don't ever say, hey, pastor said, you can't have nice stuff. No, the Bible says right there, you can have nice stuff. God gave it to you for your enjoyment. Come on, that's awesome, right? But look what he says. But teach them not to focus on their stuff. In verse 18, command them to what? To do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Here's what God says. Hey, 
because we have had more stuff than any other generation, it's, t- it's easy to get focused on ourselves. And so here's what God tells us to do. Instead of focusing on getting rich with stuff, let's focus on how we can be rich in serving others, in doing good to make a difference in the kingdom of God. What hinders us from a servanthood kind of an attitude of loving the way Jesus loved us and serving others is more stuff. Number two, write this one down. Sometimes we're hindered from serving because we have less time. Not only are we, not only are we the generation that has more stuff than any other generation, we're also a generation that has filled our schedules more than any other generation that has ever lived. I mean, you think about it. We run around here and there taking the kids to this and that. Our schedules are so crazy busy like, like never before. It's unbelievable. And here's the problem is that the busier, busier our schedules are, the tighter they become, the tighter we are with our time. And so there's opportunities to serve people all around us, but we either don't see them or don't have the time to stop and do something about it. And it's not that we're necessarily bad people. The problem is that we're busy people. And here's the thing. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because when you're busy, what's going to happen? You're going to focus on yourself, your schedule, stuff that you've got to do. And you're going to miss opportunities to make a difference in the lives of others. It reminds me of the story of the Good Samaritan. You might remember that story. Guys walk along the road. He gets beat up. Two guys come along. And I mean, the priest and the Levite. They see him, but they walk by on the other side. And we like to give we like to give those guys a hard time, man. How could they walk by and see that guy and not do anything? And man, they're just bad people. And man, something's wrong with their hearts. And and maybe they did have a heart issue, but maybe it was really more of a schedule issue. Maybe it's that they weren't bad. They just busy. I got a place to go. I got things to do. I got people to see. I'm an important Levite or priest. I got appointments to make and I don't have time. And don't act like you never done that before. Come on, don't act like you've never had a phone call come in and you let it go to voicemail because you're like, I ain't got time to talk to them and hear their drama. Come on. Don't act like you've never been in the grocery store and you see someone, you know, man, if I go over there and see them and talk to them, it's going to be 30 minutes. I'm going to be talking. I don't got time for that. Come on. Right. Here's the problem is we're so our schedules are so full that we don't have time to stop and serve people and need to love people by serving them. More stuff, less time. Number three, in our culture today, there is a greater emphasis on self-promotion. I mean, you, you look around and you see something about this culture. I think, it's, I think it's something about the rise in the popularity of social media that causes us to be all about like promoting ourselves. I mean, you look at it, you Facebook and Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, all that kind of stuff are very self-promotional. Like, let me post something up here so that everyone will see it and everyone will like, you know, I'm look at my food that I'm eating or whatever, you know, look at my trip that I'm taking for spring break. Let's post it up here so that everyone will click like or they'll comment on it or, and, and I'll feel good about myself. In fact, one of the number one things that are posted on social media are called selfies, right? I mean, we, we're, we're so self-promotional in our culture today that we actually have created phones that have cameras, not just on one side, but on both sides so that we can, you know, come on, right? Promote ourselves. And, and social media is even called a platform. And the reason it's called a platform is because what we want to do is we want to build a platform for ourselves. 
We want to promote our, our image so that everyone will say, and if we're focused so much on us, that when the focus is on us, we don't focus on others. In fact, I mean, you, you don't think this is a problem. Just Google self-promotion and see what comes up. You Google it and a couple things come. I mean, there are articles and books that have been written about how to self-promote. There's, there's one that comes up that's, that's called The Art of Self-Promotion, Six Ways to Get Your Work Discovered. Another one by Forbes that was written is called Self-Promotion is a Skill. I liked this one. said 40 ways to self-promote without being a jerk, <laughs> you know? And this is, what we, this is what we have in our culture, which goes completely against what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you want to be great, here's what you need to do. You need to be a servant. And if you want to be the greatest, don't focus on yourself. Focus on others and become a servant to all. How did Jesus love us? He didn't love us by promoting himself. He loved us by putting himself aside to serve us. This is how he loved the disciples that on the day that should have been all about him. I mean, this is the last supper. It's, a, it's the time that I'm about to go to the cross. And yet he put himself aside, picked up a towel and loved his disciples by serving them. How do we love like Jesus? We got to learn to be servants. We got to learn to take the focus off ourselves, put the focus on others. You say, Pastor, and this is hard in the culture that we live in today. Yeah, it is. So how do we do it? Well, I think we can see three things in this in this little passage right here about how Jesus served us. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. The first one is this: if we're going to love others by serving, the first thing you got to do is you got to get up. So everybody, just look at your neighbor. Tell them, get up. Check it out, verse four. Look what it says. Jesus at the table, and look what it says. So he got up from the supper table. Now, first of all, let's do a little survey. How many of you call it supper? How many of you call it dinner? Come on, that, that's what I thought, right? My mom, she says supper. I always thought it was just because we're from Oklahoma, you know, supper, you know, whatever. But I guess it's Bible, you know. And here he is at the, at the supper table, the dinner table. And I mean, if anybody should have been served, it was Jesus, But instead of waiting on them to come wait on him, what did he do? He got up from where he was and he served them. And let me just tell you something, guys. In order to be a servant, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to get up. You're going to have to move. You're going to have to take some action. And I think sometimes the reason that we don't serve is because it's inconvenient. Sometimes the reason we don't serve is because it's uncomfortable. Sometimes the reason we don't serve others is because, let's be honest, because we're lazy. And we're comfortable where we're at. We're comfortable with our life. We're comfortable with our schedule. We're comfortable with our routine and our agenda and the way that we've got things. And so we've become so comfortable where we're at that we don't want to get up from where we're at and go and serve others. And serving is inconvenient and serving is uncomfortable and serving it's work. Come on. And so we're so comfortable where we're at. In fact, it reminds me of a, of a Newsboys song from back in the 90s. That's when the Newsboys were good. Come on, anybody remember the, the Newsboys from back then? And they had this song, it was called Lost the Plot. And the whole idea of the song was that we've gotten focused on stuff that really doesn't matter. And we've really lost focus on the story, on the plot, on what really matters. And I, I love, they, they had some crazy lyrics back then. And, and I, but I love this one lyric that has always stuck with me. It says, when you come back again, would you bring me something from the fridge? Heard a rumor that the end is near, but I just got comfortable here. And I think, man, isn't that the way we live a lot? I know this is important. 
I know there are people that are out there that don't know Jesus that God would want me to pray for them and invite them at Easter, but I'm kind of comfortable where I'm at. I know, I know that, man, that this is life and death stuff. I know that people need to, need to feel the love of Jesus in their life. I know my family's important. I know, I know our church is important. I know this stuff is important, but you know what? Hey, when you come back, bring me something from the fridge because I'm kind of comfortable where I'm at right now. And it's inconvenient to get up and serve, to move, to take action, to go to work. To do something. Guess what? It's inconvenient, guys, to have five services on Easter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not comfortable for me to preach up here five times. I'm a little tired after it's over. Come on, right? It's inconvenient for me to ask you to, hey, give up your Saturday before Easter to come at 3.30 to make room for some of the other services that are going to happen. It's inconvenient. But guess what? It's worth it because people are worth it. And Jesus did it for us. And so shouldn't we do it for others? We got to get up. So everybody say, get up. Yeah. Number two, write this one down. If we're going to serve, we got to set aside. Check it out in verse four. So he got up from the supper table, set aside his robe and put on an apron. You know what serving requires? It requires us to set some stuff aside. Might require us to set aside some of our own agendas. You know, some of us are like, yeah, I'll, I'll serve as long as you do it kind of the way that I want it to be done. But you know what serving really is? Serving is saying, you know what? I'm going to help others in the way they need it, not just in the way that I want to give it. Sometimes we're like, hey, man, I'll, you know, I'll give you all this stuff that I don't want. Or I'll give you this time that, come on, right? I'll give you the worst time, not the, not the best of my, come on, right? And sometimes serving says, hey, man, I got to get rid of my own agendas. Hey, I got to set aside some of my own preferences. Hey, I'll help, Pastor, if you do, if you do it the way I like it and the way I want it. I'll, uh, if you sing the songs I like or if you, come on, right? And here's the thing is that that's not what serving is all about. Serving is not about you. It's about others. Loving people is not about, about you and what you get from it. It's about how can, I, how can I put others first in my life? Sometimes it's like, hey, I got to set aside my own need to get the credits. Hey, I'll serve if you make sure make me volunteer of the month. <laughs> Come on. But it's not about you. Serving says, I got to set aside my comparisons. Well, they got the job that I really wanted and I would be better at that than them. Or Come on. That's not what serving is about. Serving is about saying, hey, it ain't about me. It's about others. And how can I use my life to make a difference in the lives of others? The Bible says in Philippians 2, verse 4, I love the way it reads in the message. It says, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage, but forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. How do we love like Jesus? We got to serve. We got to get up. We got to set aside. Number four, number three, check this one out. We got to pour out. Look at what it says in verse 5. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet, the feet of the disciples. Guess what, guys? Serving is not just a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's an emotional thing. It's not just something we do with our hands. It's something that we are called to do with our hearts, to pour ourselves out for others. And this is why it's so hard. This is why, this is why serving in ministry it's hard because you know what happens is sometimes like you pour yourself out. It's not the physical part of it that's tiring. Sometimes it's like the emotional and the spiritual part that you're like, man, I'm pouring myself into these kids in the nursery. I'm pouring myself into these people that I'm leading. As a pastor, I'm pouring myself into people and I'm investing and I'm believing in you. I'm loving you. I'm trying to be there during your hard time. And sometimes you pour yourself out for others and then in turn, they leave. They say things. They don't like things. 
Pastor, you didn't feed me well enough. I'm going to go to another church. Come on. I'm just being real and being honest. And you're like, man, I poured out everything that I had for you. And, and before you feel sorry for me, let me just tell you, I ain't got nothing compared to what Jesus had. Jesus got up and he served these guys knowing full well that as soon as he got done washing their feet, that one of them was going to get out, get up, walk out the door and go betray him and turn him in to be taken to be killed. This was a guy he just got done loving and serving. He knew that one of the guys was going to say, I'll never leave you. And then in just a few hours was going to say, I don't even know who Jesus is. He knew that the rest of the disciples, when Jesus was hanging on the cross and it was dangerous for them because now Jesus was an outlaw, that they were going to run in fear and hide. And yet, even though he knew that, he served them anyway because he loved them. And this is why serving is hard because it requires not just my hands. It requires my heart. It requires me to give even when others might not give back. This is the reason, man, that we challenge you. Don't just, don't just sign up to serve on Easter and, hey, I'll, you know, I'll give you an hour at one of the services on Easter and I'll help park cars or I'll help greet someone out in the lobby. That's awesome, but it's not just that. It's, it's that I come knowing, hey, I'm going to give my heart to this thing. I might just be holding the sign saying, you look good today, or helping someone find a place to park, but that's, that's not all there is to it. I know that I'm creating an atmosphere so that when people walk through the door, just like Tara said in her video, as soon as I walked in, I knew I was loved and people cared about me because there were people out there that didn't just hold a sign and didn't just say good morning, but poured their heart into it. It's not just about, hey, I'll go and, you know, give you a little time to, you know, serve in the nursery, you know, 50 minutes or 60 minutes or whatever, because I showed up 10 minutes late. Come on, you know who you are. No, it's, hey, I know that what I'm doing is I'm pouring into these kids. And into a next generation and that some of these kids will decide when they're an adult whether they want to come back to church or not because of the way that the Sunday school teacher made them feel when they were a kid. Come on. I'm serving with my heart. I don't need to get the credit. And I don't even need others to, others to give it back to me because I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it for them. How can you do that, Pastor? How, how can you serve like that? Well, how did Jesus do it? We see it right here in this passage how could he serve with such, such a security in who he was, knowing that they were going to betray him, but loving them anyway? In verse number three, it says it right here. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Here's the deal. Jesus could serve like this because he knew who he was. He didn't need, he didn't need the recognition of anyone else because he already had the love of the Father. I am a son of God. And here's what you need to know here today. You can serve others without thinking about yourself because you know that the Father is thinking about you. That you are his son. If you're following Jesus, you are his son. You are his daughter. And if you know who you are, then you don't have to worry about getting it back from other people. You can serve with everything that you have because it's not about you. It's about him and about who God made you to be. How do we love like Jesus? We got to serve. We got to get up. We got to set aside. We got to pour ourselves out. This is the example that Jesus set for us in verse 14. It says, and since I... Your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Now do as I have done to you. This is what God has called us to do, to love others by giving ourselves for them, by putting ourselves aside long enough to serve those that are. 